guys, this is Beth. And this is Jeff. And this is your Enneagram Coach, the podcast, where we're here to help you to understand yourself with astonishing clarity so that you can break free from self-condemnation, fear, and shame by knowing and experiencing the unconditional love, forgiveness, and freedom in Christ. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the show. And today we are moving towards the Christmas season full steam ahead. And I am joined today with Jeff, my husband, Adam Breckenridge, our director of coaching. Hey, Adam. Hello. And Brian Lee, our incredible community manager at Your Enia Path Community. Hey, Brian. Hey, everybody. And so we're going to take a few minutes um, to give some really valuable information as you guys move into what can be a very anxious season, which is the holidays with our family and sometimes close friends even. But this can be a relationally taxing and anxious time. Well, because of the pandemic, there may be some friends and family you're going to be interacting with this season uh, whom you may not seen in some time. Or as I was reminded here uh, just today, uh, maybe you're going back to the same house that you quarantined in or like when the pandemic began. And so all of those interactions and all of that history still exists. And what we've come to understand is that the last couple of years have really done a number on our family relationships. And between political divisions, the racial divide, COVID, uh, illness, and losing family members, you may be navigating some very, very difficult stuff this year as you go home. Now, Adam, one of the unique things that's happening for you is that you, you guys have lost some people in your family yeah. this, over this past year. Yeah, we, we've experienced some loss this year. Um, we lost the uh, matriarch and patriarch of our family, my, my grandparents, and it was a sudden thing. We, we weren't expecting that. They passed within six months of one another. And so they would have been married 60 years in March, but my grandmother passed away yeah. very suddenly in January, um, four weeks after Christmas. We had just celebrated mm. Christmas with them and she cooks like the most amazing meal. That's what we're doing this year is we're cooking her meal. And, um, mm. and so she cooked, she went all out, did, did, you know, all her stuff and, and then four weeks later, she passed. And then my grandfather mm. made it six months without her, and he he just couldn't do it. So it is going to be, um, you know, we we our family's been grieving and and but also experiencing lots of gratitude. Um, I I, uh, I heard David Kessler say the other day that you know he lost a son, and he said the only tragedy that would have been worse than this is would be never never having known him. And, uh, that's, that's, that's where we are. And so, yeah, we're going to gather and we're going to mourn and celebrate all at the same time. And, and we're going to mm-hmm. eat her turkey and ham and dressing and all that, that she's, she's cooked you know, year after year. So, yeah. Brian, what about you? Christmas plans. We are actually going to do at our house this year. We are not traveling for the first time. Um, you know, we don't have any family that lives by, nearby, so it's always been mm. a couple of hours drive. Um, and so my family will actually be driving to us this year. Wow. Yeah. Beth Fun. and Jeff, what about, what about you guys? What are your holiday plans? I hear, I hear that you're going to raise like a 30-foot Christmas tree or something in your yard. For Christmas, I have always wanted to uh, do something special. This Halloween, we've been, we moved into a new home. And so we provided not only baggies that had toys and candy in it, but we uh, got a cotton candy machine and I had to buy a projector for an event we were doing. And so Amazon said, Hey, would you like a 
145 inch uh, screen that you can watch movies outside. So I used that to play um, Halloween cartoons uh, in the driveway. So not only are we going to have a movie night in our driveway for the neighborhood and watch Elf together, but uh, as Adam just mentioned, uh, I've got a friend that's going to help me put up a 25 foot pole that'll have string lights connected to it. So it'll be this huge white Christmas tree. Uh, you are the Clark Griswold of the Enneagram world. That is going just call me Clark. Clark. With holiday gatherings right around the corner, let's talk about how we desire for our family gatherings to go well, but oftentimes there are lots of misunderstandings and even big conflicts that can unite between family members. Mm -hmm. I don't know if any of us know what that's like, right? (laughs) Well, one of the biggest reasons that this can happen is that we're typically assuming other people's thoughts, feelings, and motives in the topics that we're discussing. But what we have to realize is that people are hearing, perceiving, and interpreting situations or circumstances or whatever we're talking about through the lens of their Enneagram type, not necessarily ours, and their life circumstances and preferences and all those things. And what can happen is we can then assume incorrectly that someone would see it the way we see it. And then we get upset that they don't react the same way. They don't think the same way. They don't do the same way as us. And that can cause all sorts of mayhem, really, right? Chaos, confusion, uh, getting upset. Well, the reality is that every person through their core motivations gets activated and perceives the world in their own unique way. And this can be super insightful if we'll just take the time to really learn about each person's core motivations. Um, plus, depending on how their heart is doing, so if they're misaligned or aligned with the truth of the gospel, that will also determine on how they respond to conversations, whether in a healthy or unhealthy way. So by remembering, so basically we all have different colored lenses on, think of us all having different sunglasses on, and each type represents a different shade of lens. If we would just take the time to recognize, you know, oh, Uncle Joe sees the world from a different perspective, a different lens. He is interpreting this situation differently. He's mm-hmm. going to react differently than me. By just taking off our lenses for a second and recognizing that others are wearing a different lens, hopefully this holiday season will allow us to have greater compassion, understanding, patience, curiosity, empathy, forgiveness, and a deeper sense of love for one another. Yeah, you know, just hearing you say that, Beth, um, it, it, I'm reminded, I, I don't know who said it first, but it's been said that children are wonderful observers, but terrible interpreters. And the more I do my own work on myself and understand myself, and the more I coach and work with other adults, I'm starting to believe that it's not just kids. I think human beings are wonderful interpreters, but we can be terrible, uh, or wonderful observers, but we can be terrible interpreters. And you're right that 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 can be really hurtful or harmful to our relationships. And I've seen this happen in my own marriage around the holidays. So I'll just, I'll give you a little anecdote. Um, this, there's this pattern that I've noticed uh, in our holiday gatherings between me and my wife over the years, the last 20 years of, of being together. My wife, as you guys know, is a type nine. Uh, she's been on the podcast before. She is a joy to be with, but um, the, the chaos of the holidays can really disrupt her peace. All the people, you know, are in her space. Her space is being invaded. Um, there's so much talking and interacting 
someone inevitably always champions some kind of erroneous idea or like some some kind of offensive thing is said. Then there's family drama. I mean, guys, her her she's got a she's got two sisters that are younger, and the way they always try to pull her into the middle of their stuff. It's it's anyway, it always happens, and so the the holidays can be really draining on her, and and it, it creates conflict for her because it's disrupting her sense of peace and. And so the pattern I've noticed is that she can withdraw and go within herself to catch a break from all the crazy. And mm-hmm. I've not- I noticed early on in our marriage that my interpretation of that is that, uh-oh, she- she's upset with me. What-, what have I done? Where did she, where, where she's leaving me? Where did she go? Um, mm-hmm. Or I remember really early on, I'd- I had this deep fear that, she's going to leave me because she doesn't like my family. You know, that's, and that's a mm-hmm. sixes core fear, right? Here, here I am. You can hear like fearing abandonment, but my interpretation is she, she hates my family. And I, I, you know, I make these interpretations that this is why I'm noticing her being distant. This is why she's playing a game on her phone. This is why she's checked out. And over the years, I mean, that assumptions cause some, you know, by the way, some just major spinning out for us. We've had, you know, we've had to like sneak back into the back room or lock ourselves in the bathroom and, and talk this out before while everybody else is fighting in the living room and kids are bouncing <laughs> off the walls and stuff. Yeah. Um, but over the years, the Enneagrams really helped us understand that oh, we're assuming these things about each other. And and now yeah. I understand what's going on beneath the surface with her. And uh, those moments when she's checking out, she's, she's doing that because she doesn't have the energy to, to hang in there with that. And that's, that's okay. You know, there's appropriate ways to check out and give yourself some space and, and catch a break. And now I know what's going on in her heart. And so it, it creates a lot more compassion. That's the thing. I'll say one more thing about this. That's the thing about uh, assuming is that mm-hmm. the reason why assuming can be so harmful on relationships is because it kills curiosity. Um, yeah. I've quoted Ted Lasso on, on the podcast before. I'll do it again. You know, he's got that great line where he says, be curious, not judgmental. Uh, mm-hmm. be curious, don't assume, right? So if you notice a family member acting or reacting in a certain way, you might ask at least yourself, maybe they're not open to your questions, but you might ask yourself some questions like, I wonder what they're feeling. I wonder what narrative scripts are playing in their mind. I wonder what core desires and fears and longings are going on in, in their heart. And I, I've just found that a little bit of not assuming, but a little bit of curiosity goes a long way in helping helping me stay connected to my family and around the holidays, especially my wife in a healthy way. Mm-hmm. So recently we were working on, um, I can't remember exactly what the project was, but I spent some time on the topic of family of origin, but thinking about family of origin, not through my typical training, whether that be through seminary or uh, pastoral counseling, but through the lens of the Enneagram and new things just kind of came to mind for me in recognizing all the different ways that we can be activated internally when it comes to family, mm-hmm. because there's one dynamic of, okay, Jeff's a type six going back to a family that had a particular way of relating to my sickness. And so when I go back to be with family, sometimes Beth's like, who are you becoming? Like, I don't mm-hmm. know who you are when you're in this setting. Mm-hmm. I like assume a different role when my parents are around that uh, I don't ordinarily do with her. But then there's the dynamic between Beth and I when I do that. So now Beth's relating to me that, you know, whether it be uh, my blind spot path, uh, one of the lines and arrows 
uh, or it could be something that um, a stance where a way in which I engage with my father that would be an unhealthy way or a reactive way of relating to him and relating to her. But all of these dynamics, it's, it's almost like a record, uh, the needle for a record player. When I go back home, I fall into a particular groove yeah. and I start to play that song again. And it's a song that I may not be playing now in my adulthood relationship, but there's the tie's still there. And so those dynamics, the smells of the home, being in a particular place, having a particular meal are all opportunities that where emotions and memories can come up. Mm. And so inevitably, whenever we get into family life, there are going to be disagreements and we can get activated. Beth, why don't you talk a little bit about how, when we are activated, what do we do about it? Yeah, well, we all, like you said, we all get activated in very different ways. Um, they can be small things like little disagreements about a sports team, you know, like whoever's playing, uh, you know, football oh, that day mom, or basketball. See, yeah, so I grew up in Dallas, Texas. Guess what was behind every moment of Thanksgiving uh, Day? The How Dallas about them Cowboys? The <laughs> and she would yell and scream at them. Mm -hmm. I mean, just come on, pokes. What was that? I, I, she, it was that she was just living the game yep. in the moment. But that was part of Thanksgiving. Is how were the Cowboys doing that year? Right. So it could be you know like small things like that and disagreeing over teams or what the ref said, right? Um, or it can be even big things of maybe you're sensing your parents' disapproval um, or your cousin is gossiping about you, or, you know, it could be lots of different things, but then there's the big ones, right? Politics and religious beliefs that people bring up at family gatherings that can really set off alarms. Um, now the Enneagram can help us to understand how each of the nine types gets activated. So that's a really important thing to recognize. Um, and it's going to be based on the core motivations of each type. So, we highly, highly recommend that you go to yourenneagramcoach.com forward slash core motivations. And there you'll find a free PDF download that has all nine types core motivations. So we have a core fear that we're running away from, a core desire that we're trying to obtain, a core weakness that we keep tripping over and stumbling over. And then we have a core longing. This is the message your heart longs to hear. And this is at the core of why we think, feel, and behave in particular ways. And so we can get activated when one of those core motivations doesn't go quite the way that we want. And so this information can be really, really helpful for you. It's also the way that people can find their main type. So again, go to yourenneagramcoach.com forward slash core motivations to get this. Well, let's take some time, the four of us, to walk the wheel. So go through each of the types and highlight some of the common things that can quickly activate each of the types. Now, again, I strongly encourage you to use this information to understand each type better so that you can come alongside your family members and even yourself with much more compassion, patience, and actually being helpful with holiday discussions. Um, I also recommend that you use this to understand yourself because as your family members bring up different things, you might find yourself being activated inside. Maybe you want to shut down. Maybe you want to like yell at someone in the family. Maybe you want to be passive aggressive or manipulate the situation. So you might be activated in some way and you want to know why. Like, why am I being activated? 
And this awareness can really help you to actually become, hopefully, more emotionally sober and present in the moment and then act in a way that is healthier and that can bless your family dynamic. So let's start off walking the wheel with type one and Brian Lee, since you're a type one, we'll start with you. We'll be back after a quick break. Moms, I am so excited to share with you a huge and wonderful opportunity that we've created for you this summer. It's our Enneagram for Moms cohorts. Yes, a group of moms of your same Enneagram type coming together for a safe place to connect, share, and hear and be validated. Wouldn't that be amazing to be with other moms of your same Enneagram type who see the world through the same lens and truly understand you? It's gonna be amazing. But here's the thing, there are only 25 spots per cohort. We have one in the daytime and one in the evening of your type to choose from. You're gonna wanna sign up the day it opens. We open registration May 6th to May 13th. Now, these groups will kick off the week of June 10th and they will go until the week of July 29th. That's eight weeks together for 90 minutes, sharing, laughing, crying, being together in that safe, intimate place to connect with moms, to develop deep, meaningful friendships. And there's so many other things that are gonna come with the cohort. I hope that you will join us and learn more when you sign up on May 6th to May 13th at yourenneagramcoach.com forward slash cohorts. I can't wait to see you there. Yay. Um, so <laughs> some common activators for type ones are being criticized or scrutinized, which is always fun. Uh, seeing people as deceptive, irresponsible, or lazy. Uh, knowing people who are not taking responsibility or maybe failing to complete their responsibilities with precision and accuracy, or maybe just the way you wanted to have it done or thought it should be done. Um, and I identify with absolutely none of these. I don't recognize that <laughs> behavior. <laughs> sure. Um, good try. Good try. Yeah, good, good try. Us, tell us what really stands up the most. Oh, my goodness. It all stands out. And I think the, the thing that I'm hearing myself say is, you know, one of the things I've been learning and kind of teaching as I go through emotional intelligence stuff are the two questions that I try to walk away with is, what is it like to be you? And what is it like to be with you? And I think mm -hmm. especially as we're going into the holidays, it's so important to recognize that we don't use the Enneagram to hide behind our bad behavior. Um, and I think that when I read these, I recognize so much of it in the way I react to stuff. And especially when you're with family, um, being so dependent on what other people think of you or what we should be doing as type ones, it's, mm -hmm. it's really easy to get caught up in I worked so hard to make this right, or I worked so hard to make it good. So when you criticize me, I take it really personally. Mm -hmm. um, or when I recognize that, hey, everyone should be doing their part. So why do I feel like I'm the only one trying here? And recognizing that not everyone feels that way <laughs> when we're together, right? And being able to let go of some of those expectations because unfulfilled expectations just turn into resentment anyway. And is that really what I want at the holidays? Is that really what I want when I'm spending time with my family? So how do I access a different side to not get activated so quickly? How do I recognize what it's like to be with me in those moments when I'm being overly critical because I feel criticized? Mm -hmm. um, 
and just recognize that not everyone needs to be responsible for something that that's probably a pressure that I'm putting on myself that no one actually asked me to do. Mm. Hey, Brian, I'm curious, how, how does your wife respond when she notices that you, there's the potential that something happened that she knows would bother you or you're already in the dance and she wants to call something out or bring attention to something that's happening? Uh, because we've been learning the Enneagram, we've gotten a lot better at this. <laughs> And she, she can preface it with, I know you just want to do the right thing. Or she can preface it with, with recognizing where my intention or heart is and call out my bad behavior anyway. And say, but you're still being kind of like, is this really the hill you want to die on right now? And usually that, that sentence for me is a quick sign of, okay, I, I, I'm pushing too far. I'm trying too hard right now. Wow. That's great. I'll jump in on Hey, that. Adam. Yeah. Yeah. Why don't you, you take type two? Yeah, I'll jump in on the type twos. Um, common, my mom's a type two, by the way, so I, I've got a little experience with this. Common conflict activators uh, being taken for granted, uh, feeling unappreciated or underappreciated. I literally remember, oh man, we would have to go through this at Thanksgiving and dinner, uh, dinner and Christmas. Um, my mom just saying to us, like, you, to the, you know, we were kids, and she's like, you guys don't appreciate anything I've done. And I'm like, now that I look, now I'm an adult, I look back on it. And I'm like, you know what? We didn't. And that's, uh, that's not okay. That's part of being a kid. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Not feeling uh, heard by others, uh, sensing you're not needed or wanted, feeling rejected or dispensable. You got to, if you're a type mm-hmm. two, you got to watch out for all those uh, conflict activators. Hey Adam, whenever you were uh, an adult and you would see that your mom was activated, how did you move towards her then? Yeah. Wow, Jeff, you're just going for it. Yeah, well, I definitely developed, you know, I, um, I also uh, have a have a have, have a strong two part in me. And I have learned to feel so much compassion for my mom and to to un- to, to realize that, uh, this is what's going on in her. So it, it actually has led to some really honest conversations. And it's another way that I've moved toward her is um, I have made her as an, as I've become an adult, I've made her switch roles. I mean, I've, I've just, I've made her let me help her. Like, no, you let me wash your feet. Like let, let's let, let's let us come around and let, we'll, we'll do the, we'll do the half of the cooking or, or we'll do the dishes and we'll, we'll like, let us serve you, you know? And, Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's, it's actually, again, the Enneagram, which, you know, I can remember the first Christmas dinner or Thanksgiving dinner, we sat down a- after having everybody take the Enneagram. Right. And now our conversations are just, it's, it's so fun. It's so rich. Um, and there's lots of laughter and connection that's happening. And I, I would, I would say since then that has really changed our dynamic. So I've, I felt a lot more compassion for her. And probably the way I've moved towards her is just in service, even more than, mm-hmm. yeah, just just in serving her in that way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, let's take a look at type three. Uh, I don't know if any of us have any type threes. Well, oh, that's right. I totally forgot about that, Brian. So you'll be able to speak to this a little bit more. Um, but, uh, you know, why don't we do this, uh, Brian, since your wife's a three, why don't you just talk <laughs> through some of these and just share a little bit about her own 
personal story in the interior world, I'm sure she will love for us to talk to her about her on the podcast. So. Yeah, as long as I don't get in trouble <laughs> afterwards, right? <laughs> uh, you were just trying to do the right thing. I'm just Bob. trying to do the right thing and help. So <laughs> activators for a type three include being blamed for someone else's bad performance or work, uh, not looking good or being embarrassed, not being validated, affirmed, recognized, or praised for accomplishments, and being put in a situation where failure is a high probability. And I got to say specifically for my wife, probably the, the third one is the most standout for not being validated, affirmed, or recognized. And she is a counter type of three, so she's not always looking for the success or the spotlight, but she does mm -hmm. want to be recognized for the thought and the effort that got put into yeah. something. Um, and I think especially around the holidays, she's got a strong two wing. So she's there to serve others. Um, mm -hmm. And she's there to make sure that we are together. And she's putting a lot of effort into the time that we spend together. It's it's always yeah. quality time. And I think when that gets missed or unappreciated or underappreciated, that certainly can become an activator. Right, right. All right, so type fours, the common conflict activators for them is being asked to do something that's contrary to who they are and their values, feeling anything that invokes their struggle with envy, not being seen as unique, special, or different. So type fours are really wanting to um, exemplify their unique, authentic self. And if that's being thwarted or um, trying to fit to the family system and it can't be themselves, that can be really hard and activating but also not valuing um, their unique contributions and their viewpoints. So if the family uh, says, no, this is the belief system that they must have, this is the way you need to think, don't share your thoughts, your feelings, that can be really activating for a type four, especially if they're children. You know, they're really stuck in a, a family dynamic and system that can really be hard for them to share and to be you know, true to who they are. You know, I would imagine sometimes for fours as well, they may feel the family tension but, and be feel inhibited to try to bring beauty and peace to the mm -hmm. rest of the family. Mm -hmm. And so that can be really frustrating when you're not in a position to be able to make this a special moment when you have gifting to be able to do it because no one's going to listen to you or they're just going to reject it. Well, I think they can feel a lot of loneliness during these holiday seasons because they feel so misunderstood. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Uh, well, um, Brian, why don't you take type five? Yeah. Activators for a five include being given overwhelming tasks, being a victim of broken confidentiality or trust or dishonesty, feeling surprised, uh, which will often feel like an intrusion for them or an obligation, and then definitely lacking privacy and space and time to recharge, to process their thoughts and feelings. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I bet that's a huge one during the holiday season. Because, mm -hmm. you know, it's kind of like, expected that we're going to be together you know yeah. and if someone goes off for quite a while it can be like well what's their problem do they not like us you know it can be yes. misunderstood yeah. mm -hmm. when someone really needs to, to recharge and obviously introverts need time to recharge but fives especially it's not just a recharge completely it's they need time to process their thoughts and feelings and a lot of times in these family interactions they're expected to deliver their thoughts and feelings immediately in the dinner or in the moment. And a lot of times that's just not how they operate. And so people can misunderstand fives in that way. It's interesting to think about that because when you are having the meal together at the table, it, it, it's live action play. I mean, you're, you're right there in the conversation. So for 
any type, whether in its ver various subtypes and wings and all of such, just asking a very poignant question there in the moment can be difficult for anybody. Mm -hmm. And particularly thinking through the lens of, well, what's actually happening in the family? Do I want to talk about these things? Uh, is it a controversial topic? Uh, all of those things factor into, hey, sometimes you have to give people a little bit of space and not put them on the spot to share what's happening in their mm -hmm. uh, internal world. Adam and I are both sixes, um, but Adam, I'm going to let you go first and just share our accolades and how wonderful it is that our families are blessed with us. Yeah, yes. absolutely. Common conflict activators is actually what I'm going to talk about. And uh, so I would say as a six, it's, it's, it's being targeted, blamed, or accused unfairly, uh, being put under pressure, seeing others not being genuine, authentic, or honest seeing others lack commitment and loyalty and follow through, being lied to or abandoned, uh, or the appearance of either of those, and seeing mm -hmm. others not taking your anxieties or concerns seriously. And Jeff, I'll, I'll, I'd love to hear you share which of those stand out the most, but I'll, I'll share for me the one that immediately, I mean, they all resonate, but the one that immediately resonates when I think about my childhood and I specifically think about holidays is the lack of commitment and loyalty and follow through was a big activator for me. And mm. I, and, and this may sound silly, but it was very real for me growing up. We, we have some family members that I love very much and I'm not going to say their names or what type they are, but let's just say they, they can be a little bit scattered. So if, if we want Thanksgiving or Christmas dinner, if we say like everybody be there at four o'clock, 4 PM, you have to tell this person or this family, like you get to be there at one thirty PM. You know, if you want, if you want to start at four, you tell them one thirty, and they, they may not show up until six or 7 PM. And, mm -hmm. um, I've grown to be able to laugh uh, about that and, 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 and have compassion for that. But I can remember when I was younger, I would rage over this. And, uh, I thought it was just about the presence because we would be waiting. Sometimes I literally have memories of waiting in the living room at my grandma's house to open the presence and we can't start until they get here. And I'm like, well, they were supposed mm. to be here three hours ago. <laughs> so, wow, yeah. um, but the older I got, uh, the more I began to realize that it wasn't about the presence. I felt activated mm -hmm. and angry and anxious even that this person couldn't follow through and keep their commitment and be there on time and, mm -hmm. and be there when they were supposed to be. And just being aware that this is a trigger has, has helped me, you know, to, to calm and quiet my soul by not only noticing and welcoming that part of me, but also noticing and welcoming this other part uh, of, of, of my family member and accepting mm -hmm. that, you know what, this might never change, but I know it's not malicious. And so I can, I can ask and receive God's help to love them in the same way that God loves me in spite of all of my stuff. So, but that one, that one really stands out and jumps off the list. When I think about the holidays, that was, that was a big activator for me growing up. Jeff, what about you? Well, my, my anxiety would show up a little bit different. So when earlier in life, uh, I was more of a counterphobic six. So I was, provocative kind of testing loyalties and a little bit of the the main show at family gatherings 
And so my presence was big and it was felt. And any kind of this, any kind of appropriateness, rule following, any hypocrisy or something that I felt wasn't being addressed, I would just jump right in and do it. Uh, what's happened in my uh, in most recent years is I start to quickly recognize that there's tension in the room. And so I'll actually, uh, and, and Beth feels it when this happens, I kind of remove myself from the situation. Hmm. Um, I, I don't want to get too engaged by it and feel like I have to play by the rules and not address what's happening in the room. And so I'll simply disengage from it. And she's like, hey, I needed your help. Where did you go? Mm-hmm. And, and these aren't necessarily huge things. There have been times when there have been uh, big feelings in the room. But uh, they're just in the little moments where she needs me, but I'm not there because I've kind of hmm. removed myself from the situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. But then you've got a difficult thing that then she's coming towards me with a criticism. And that criticism, I well, saw. you're being blamed. That's right. Yeah, and you're, that you're doing something wrong. And so now Beth and I are dancing mm-hmm. about something that's happening in her family. Right. Um, or my family. It could be either way. Yeah. Well, well what, why, why don't you take type uh, seven? Great. Type sevens. Uh, a few things that could uh, get them activated uh, is being limited, restrained, dismissed, or not taken seriously. Uh, being required to do some mundane tasks. I mean, I've already started to see some of my type seven friends on social media planning for holidays and uh, always planning the, the next big grand adventure or experience. Um, having a very strong seven week, I can attest to that happening even in my own heart. You mean like the 30 foot Christmas tree that will be in our yard? Bethy, <laughs> you're exaggerating. <laughs> 25 feet. Oh, <laughs> sorry. And it's for the children. The, the what? The children? <laughs> the children. That was supposed to be my Nacho Libre accent, but it oh, didn't come out correctly. No, uh, but good try. Good try. <laughs> it's for the children. Um, well, seven, um, being unjustly criticized. I resonate with that in this moment about my 25-foot Christmas tree. Uh, being forced to deal with negative circumstances that might not get resolved. I mean, yikes. If you ever want a situation where that is a high probability, um, let's put it within the Bermuda Triangle of family gatherings of Thanksgiving, Christmas, and New Year's. Mm-hmm. Um, being with pessimistic or overly critical people who are always pointing out the negative. Mm-hmm. Well, what if that were a parent? Mm-hmm. Uh, what if that was a sibling or a distant relative where you're put in the situation where you want to be with other family members, but there's this one person that you really don't want to be around. And in these family holidays, you, you can't really get out of it. You can't uh, avoid those kinds of things. And so you, you enter back into these situations, recognizing that you may get activated, but um, looking with more intentionality to be curious and to be loving. Mm-hmm. Hey, Brian, why don't you take type eight and I'll take type nine. Sure. So activators for an eight might include seeing others refusing to deal directly with things. And boy, if you've got passive aggressive family members, that can be a tough one for an eight. <laughs> or seeing injustices mm-hmm. not addressed. Uh, seeing others not take responsibility for their own behavior and actions, seeing others not being truthful, direct, straightforward, and being blindsided, betrayed, or manipulated. And if I can add to this list and just say, I think 
a lot of that comes across as so aggressive. Um, and I think the biggest activator on top of all of those things might just be being misunderstood because their heart is yeah. in the right place and they're really rooting for the underdog. They're, they're looking out for the vulnerable. And when they see mm -hmm. those injustices mm -hmm. taking place and then they get misunderstood on top of that for just being a, a hard person or an aggressive person, I think that could be a really activating for them as well. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I, I can just even attest, <laughs> you know, the, the first one, uh, seeing others refuse to deal directly with the issues as a nine, you know, I can totally be that person where it's like, uh, can we all just like get along and be nice here? Like, we have to talk about the big things that get us all, you know, in conflict or disagreement. And that can really upset the eight because they're willing to go there. They're willing to talk about those hard things mm -hmm. and it's natural. And so I can see them wanting to push forward on hard topics but people like me and there's other types not just nine that might try to navigate the conversation away from that and then like you said the type eights can be misunderstood as being the blunt one the direct one the one that wants to, you know all the controversy and upsetting the family and that's not necessarily true maybe it's a a topic that's of importance that needs to be addressed um, and so I can, I can see how that can be really hard for the type eight. Mm -hmm. All right. Last but not least, my type, type nine, how do we get activated? We don't have to get activated. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Nines are always the most consistent, emotionally sober people I know. Always sober. Always. We may actually look like it on the outside, yes. but no. Um, on the inside, we actually deal with a lot of anger and the nines out there that don't think you deal with anger, you do. <laughs> I'm just going to say it bluntly. Bring my aid in there. <laughs> you do. Um, we usually use the words, I'm frustrated and I'm irritated, but that is equal to the anger that's actually deep down inside. But I get sidetracked. Let's get back. So the things that can activate as nines is feeling any disruption and peace and harmony. So again, you know, there's a lot of people that love to bring up hard topics and discuss them and de debate them in a family and they're perfectly fine with um, tension in the room. Man, for us nines, any kind of tension, we literally feel it in our gut. It's when I tell people, it's like a two liter coat that's inside that has the lid tied on it. And those kinds of conversations, it's just like everyone is just making that, you know, shaking up that Coke and there's all this pressure and tension and we don't know what to do. And we just want everyone to stop, you know, like just get along and be nice. So that can activate us. I don't know if you can tell. <laughs> She's getting passionate over here. <laughs> I'm getting blended with my, my type right now. Um, being taken advantage of or told what to do. We definitely don't like that. We can get very separate. If we don't want to do something, let me just let you know. Nines are, we call, we call them the peaceful accommodators, and we will accommodate. But if we don't want to do something, we don't want to do it. So we can get very separate. It, it was funny. So today I was buying uh, three 10-foot pieces of galvanized pipe uh, for this majestic, fun, celebratory uh, neighborhood gift to the world that's going to be seen from the International Space Station. Um, but the guy next to me was talking to his friend and I don't know what the product they were looking at, but I just overheard him say six months ago, I paid $10 for this and now it's $40. Thanks Biden. I thought, wow, they're going to be a gift this holiday season. <laughs> <laughs> if you're getting upset in Home Depot, but as as a nine, and that nine part of my heart was like, 
wow, that would be just miserable sitting around talking about prices of Home Depot goods mm -hmm. and whether or not the president is um, the reason for it. I mean, that just sounds, that does not sound like a peaceful opportunity to be able to engage with that member. Yeah, like we just want to have like peaceful, calm, nice, fun, joyful conversations. <laughs> like, why do we have to get into the weeds of all the conflict and drudgery of life? Like, we are, we deal with it enough. Come on, people. So, anyway, that's us. Okay, another thing that will get us stirred up inside, whether you see it or not, is definitely being overlooked or ignored. Hmm. Just if you have a type nine in your uh, family dynamic, just watch and observe how much they are paid attention to by the family when they speak, or do they even speak? Do they even try? Has anyone asked really how they feel or how their year went? And do people give them the actual time and day to actually talk about it? Or do they start talking and then other people talk over them? So that's a big one. Um, and then being directly confronted. Oh my gosh. Just the holidays itself, just the thought of. It was never helpful for me whenever we would be handling kids, cooking meal, being around family, and Beth would get into that type nine little girl mode for me then to try to address it with her in the moment. Mm. It was. Yeah, being confronted directly. You can only not, hear this, but like the energy that <laughs> coming from Beth was like, that was not helpful. No. <laughs> now, I will say this last one is a really big one um, is seeing other people being rude, insensitive, or harsh to others. Um, for us, we have this really high value of kind of knowing what's going on around you, like the atmosphere, the energy, is everyone okay? Um, is there tension? You know, is anyone being left out? So we, we really have like these antenna that feel the room and we honestly expect everyone else to be that way too, mm -hmm. to, to think well of others, to be mindful of how others are doing. We were actually at a concert last night, Jeff and I. It was it was a great concert, but the people around us, I couldn't pay attention because they were doing all sorts of weird behaviors. Hmm. The two girls next to me were literally talking the entire time. And as you know, it's a loud venue, so they're having to yell at each other to hear each other right next to me and I'm trying to listen so I'm feeling bad energy and what's going on there the people in front of us were doing I don't know they're just they were off and so that's how nice are we feel the two guys to the left were totally calm like they didn't exist yeah that's true they like there was no energy from them whatsoever that is very true and it was actually very, that's very equally positive. as equally as disturbing to me <laughs> not me <laughs> how can you be at this comfort concert and have no excitement <laughs> Well, and then the people in front of us, they kept, one guy specifically kept leaving to go get more alcohol. And the people in the aisle was this very pregnant woman. And they had to keep getting out of their seats and move out of the way for him to keep coming and going. And so oh, I'm, I'm paying attention yeah. to that. I'm paying attention to their, just the weird behaviors that are going on. And so I just, I just think nine, people don't understand how nines are absorbing everything that's going around them. It's very hard to, to not do that. Cause I'm, I'm sitting there. I and was I would, oblivious the whole time until she finally <laughs> mentioned it later. <laughs> and, and so like there would be times where, you know, half the crowd was standing, half of it wasn't, but I would stand up just so that I could focus on them playing to try to get my mind more geared to the actual event than those around me. 
So I think, you know, just be mindful of your type nines in the sense of they're absorbing all that's going on. And there's always going to be family tension and dynamics. And that's just part of it. But be mindful of how your nines might be feeling around that. Mm. And how can you come along and be sensitive to them and others to help make this a, a loving and sensitive atmosphere? All right. Well, those were really great highlights. And now we're just going to briefly go over how to love each type really well this um, holiday season. So we've talked about what activates them. And I just kind of talked about how to love nines well. Um, but let's go quickly because we're... And I think of this in two, in two different ways. Uh, so as it would relate, learning how to love a particular type, what serves them, what helps them. Uh, one, as Beth's spouse, I can gain insight in moving towards Beth in these particular ways, mm -hmm. but she can also use these to help coach me and how to better relate to her through the holidays. Yeah. Even it could be your children or it could be your parents, in-laws, whatever it is. So there, there are two ways that you can use this material towards other people or to um, have, instruct other people about how to relate to you during these times. All right. So guys, we're going to have to do this kind of in a lightning fast, not as uh, in-depth as we did the last section, but that's okay. Uh, so, Brian, why don't you take us through type one? Yeah, this is going to be way better than the activators. So, ways to care for a one are to take your share of the responsibilities so that ones don't have to do all the work. Uh, recognize that ones are very hard on themselves. I'm very hard on myself. So, just reassure me often. Tell me that I'm doing good. Tell me that I'm doing well. Mm -hmm. Let me know when you do value my advice. Be as fair and considerate as I am. And then listen to my concerns first and then help me to lighten up by having fun and letting go. So, Brian, uh, one thing I'd like to ask you about that is, one, if a one has voiced a criticism towards the family that they're not helping enough, what is the best way for a family member to come back and to say, hey, can I do something for you? I think that was it right there. <laughs> Just coming, coming back and asking for it, I think, instead of getting defensive or instead of coming back with, well, why do you that's need to right. you know? I think that's it, just being open to Remember it. Remember the it right criticism there. is a bid to get someone's attention that they need help. That's right. Mm -hmm. Move towards them rather than away. That's mm -hmm. right. And you'll find that their, their hearts are going to come to rest. Hey, Adam, take type two for us. Yeah, so ways to love a type two. Uh, let them know the specific things you appreciate about them take a real interest in their problems, even though they're going to try to focus the attention back on you. So don't let them, you'll find out with the two, you feel really cared for and you keep asking questions about how they're doing and they, they'll turn it back around on you. So uh, don't let them do that. That's the way you can love them. Uh, tell them uh, that they're important to you. Tell them what you love about them. Uh, if you need to point out something negative, do so in a way that's really gentle and say some affirming things as well. Um, and uh, enjoy sharing fun times with them. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Hey, Jeff, you want to do type three? Yeah. Tell them that you love being around them. Uh, let them know how proud you are of their accomplishments. So simply to recognize that threes sometimes have a tendency to share their resume. Um, and there's other types of threes that won't tell you about what's actually happening, but still long for the recognition. And so just be very attuned to affirming people whenever you do I hear it. Uh, one of the fun things we do here with your Enneagram coach, we're all remote. We use Slack a lot, but we give tacos and tacos is just a, a silly little emoji, but it just says, I see you. And uh, the work that you do matters. 
um, don't interrupt them while they're uh, while they're working on something. You know, if they're if they've got a task that they're trying to complete to complete, uh, help them to con- to help them to complete the task. Mm-hmm. Uh, give them honest fee- uh, feedback, but don't be excessively critical or judgmental. Uh, come alongside them, uh, not towards them, uh, and then help them in their surround help to keep their surroundings harmonious and peaceful. So, for the type three that is hosting. Uh, come alongside them and helping to create the kind of environment that they really long for. Yeah, absolutely. All right, type fours. Um, with the type fours that are in your life um, this holiday season, take some time to really think through their uniqueness and what they offer the family, and then let them know how much you appreciate that. Uh, make sure that it's authentic and real and very personal to them. Um, but also let them know how significant their value is to you and that you see them. Um, respect their unique abilities and good intuition and vision. They are so intuitive of how other people are feeling. The other thing is to let them know that you're so thankful for how they will go in the hard places with you. So like if you're suffering, if you have grief, if you're frustrated with life, you're stressed, fours will go there all day, every day, whereas some other types might try to just cheer you up. Um, And so thank them for that. Um, but also recognize that they swim in the waters of melancholy. And there are some types that think, oh, melancholy is bad. i got to cheer them up. Um, for them, that is just normal and natural and comfortable for them. And so don't see it as a negative. In fact, engage with them. Um, but also, please don't tell your type force that they're being too sensitive or overreacting. Um, that only minimizes who they are. And it really just clearly shows that you don't understand them. And instead of being judgmental, be curious, like Ted Lasso says. All right, so type uh, five, Brian, you're up. Sure thing. For a type five, uh, be independent and not clingy. Uh, Speak briefly and straightforwardly, kind of get to the point, which can be harder for some types than others. And just recognize that they need a lot of alone time to recharge their energy, to process their feelings and thoughts, Try not to take personal offense when a type five wants or needs to step away for a moment. Understand that their need to recharge alone is not something personal. It's not that they don't like you. It's not that they need to take space away from you. It's they need to recharge so that they can come Mm -hmm. back and uh, rejoin and participate in the party again. Recognize that they don't like surprises or intrusions on their privacy or their space. They don't like an overshow of emotions or neediness or obligations. And again, just when you recognize that about other people, then you can help move towards them. You know, one thing that comes to mind hearing that, Brian, is that I think for all of us, our relational bandwidth has diminished a bit mm-hmm. um, with because of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Like Beth and I recognize that concert like, OK, we're actually overwhelmed uh, and we end up leaving a little bit early, uh, which was very surprising because we love this band's music so much. But five. Think about your holiday to be able to give people a little bit of a space or break to not engage so much because we're just not accustomed to it because we we were separate from one another for so long. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So fives actually have something that uh, they can teach us. Yeah. yeah. They always have something they can teach us. That's but true. We can, we can take from their style of relating something yeah. for ourselves. Hey, Adam, why don't you take type six? Absolutely. So ways to love me well, uh, be direct and straightforward with me. Sixes appreciate that. They value authenticity. So 
just be straight. Um, listen to me carefully and please don't judge me for my anxiety. Reassure me that everything will be okay and show me that you support me. Laugh and make jokes with me. Gosh, sixes just love that. They love, they have, they just, they just that is your please. unique love language. It is. Oh, Bessie. It like is. when we started the podcast today, Adam and I were having a great time. You always are having a great time. <laughs> Laugh and make jokes with Adam and I, Bessie. I yes. try as far as I can go. Yes, yes. This is how, this is as far as I can go. That's right. There are probably limits to it, and there probably needs to be. Um, so, yeah. And then I would just say, just acknowledge some of the gifts that, that I bring and that sixes bring, just acknowledge that I'm loyal, uh, responsible, faithful, dutiful, supportive, you know, just acknowledge those things as a way that you can, you can mm-hmm. really love and serve a six. Well, you know, to serve a lot, but sixes can be in the background, mm-hmm. uh, carrying a lot of the load, a lot of the That's emotional right. load yeah. of right. trying to caretake. So, uh, just to acknowledge it, uh, to see it, it can be a real gift to them. Yeah. Already type for type sevens, uh, give them companionship, affection, and freedom. You know, I know that in my seven heart, Beth's having to join me in this holiday festive ex- excitement <laughs> that I have, despite what it means to our checking account. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that, that laugh there is so uh, telling. It's like, I'm trying to enjoy this. <laughs> I asked her about lights today, and she was, I don't care. I don't care. <laughs> I need your help, Beth. I can't make this decision myself. Okay, we're talking about sixes now. We're talking about sevens, sevens. Okay. Uh, engage with me in stimulating conversation and laughter and be enthusiastic and spontaneous with me. You know, they can be, they can bring such energy and life to those around them. So take part in it. Encourage it. Uh, listen to their stories and grand visions. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you have a seven in your family, you're probably accustomed to that because they always bring a big story to tell. Um, accept me the way that I am. I don't like being told what to do or to be restricted. So giving advice on a particular situation, probably not helpful for a type seven and remind them to savor the present moment since I'm typically looking forward to the next exciting event. And so just helping them to be grounded and not what we could do next year, next Thanksgiving or next Christmas. Um, but even just in the moment, reminding them, hey, we, we love having you here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. Type eights, stand up for yourself. And wow, what would it mean to an eight if you would stand up for them and they didn't yeah. have to do it for themselves? Be confident, strong, and direct. And then look past the shell and notice how tender and vulnerable an eight can be hiding behind that strong exterior. Acknowledge mm-hmm. the contributions that that they make, but don't do it in a flattering way. Like do it in an authentic, genuine, real way. And then recognize that eights speak directly and assertively. And don't assume that it's a personal attack against you. It's just their communication style. Mm, So good. All right, type nines, how to love us well? Well, be patient with me and don't rush me. (laughs) You guys might be like, what are you going to do this next year? What's your favorite thing? Uh, What do you want for dessert? We're all going to look at you with like like a deer in the headlights. And we don't know. There's a thick fog in us. So be patient and understanding. Um, But also let the type nines know that their presence matters. And, And yes, that word does mean a lot. Your presence matters. That'd be so awesome if you communicate that in some unique way. You know, maybe it's by uh, listening to them intently, um, asking them some very uh, poignant questions, 
um, taking them a little further than they would naturally go. And they're like twos. They're going to try to focus back onto you, but don't let them do it. Um, and then when nine speak, uh, recognize that they can meander their talk style. <laughs> so make sure that you listen until they're finished talking. Um, I know that Jess, your dad, beat a type nine. Oh, gosh. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> this guy. So um, uh, my dad is a good old redneck from Texas. Four truck. Got it all. Hunter, everything. Got a text the other day. Seeing a lot of deer and bucks. And I, I'm reading the text the way he would say it. We've seen a lot of deer, but we've not shot anything. He'll make these long pregnant pauses and you'll actually think he's done. And then you'll insert something and he'll come back and finish his sentence. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like he really has, like you said, it's a very good word, pregnant pauses. And you really think, done? Is he not done? I don't know. And I'm a nine. I'm like, I don't even know. <laughs> and then you like, you then try to fill that void with like conversation. And then later when you're done with your, he'll whatever you said, you'll bring it back up. And you're like, Oh no, I, Oh, you feel so guilty. Yeah, you're like, I over, yes, <laughs> but you don't know. So anyway, so th as a nine, that's, hmm. that is the person that has the longest pause. But in general, just, just be very mindful of is the nine finished talking about what they have to say and, and just to show that they matter. You know, even ask them like, hey, I just want to make sure you're done with, with your thought. Um, and then they hate disagreement. So really try so hard to bring ease and lessen the tension and the atmosphere. And then the last thing is, is just to recognize that they're going to focus on everyone else. Just like I was telling you about the concert, like my natural bent is to focus on everyone else and not myself, which actually can make the family dynamics spin out. So really encourage the mind to take time to focus on themselves. Do they need some time alone to take a breather? Are they feeling tension? Do they need to emotionally kind of calm down somewhere else. Um, so help them to focus not only on everyone else, but themselves. And that will be really, really helpful. Well, we are so thankful you guys joined us today. Um, we know that family dynamics are wonderful and we're so thankful God gives us family, but it can be hard. And so we hope that this episode can help you guys to understand how each of us sees, interprets, and reacts to the world differently based on our Enneagram types. And hopefully this will give you more compassion, empathy, and love for one another, and even for yourself. And Christ desires for us to love one another as we love ourselves. So we hope that this holiday season will be filled with joy and love for one another more than ever before. Well, thanks for joining us and for this conversation. Hey, this is only the beginning but, uh, to talk about relationships in the holidays. Next week, we're going to be back talking about the interpretive childhood message. That is this one message that we have believed since we were kids. And sometimes it was maybe spoken by our parents. Sometimes it was just assumed in our own minds. but it's, we still relate to this message about our sense of identity and who we are and how we relate to others. And it's going to it holds tremendous influence over our relationships. So we're going to give some attention to it to help you understand how it can play out in some of your holiday gatherings. And lastly, Remember that the Enneagram reveals our need for Jesus, not our need to work harder, because it's the gospel that transforms us. We'll see you next week on the podcast.